When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to another episode of Blush. My name is Hiva, and I have a very special guest for you today. My friend, life coach, writer, and self-love mentor, Caitlin Bebb. So Caitlin and I ended up recording for over two hours, and the conversation was just so beautiful and special that I really didn't want to cut much out of it, so I ended up splitting it into two parts. So you'll listen to part one today and make sure to tune in next week for part two of the conversation. I'm not going to bore you here much longer. I really want to get to it. So go listen to Caitlin. Caitlin, it's so exciting to have you on the podcast finally. Happy to be here. (laughs) You sound thrilled. (laughs) Sorry, it's the headphones. I'm a little stiff. It looks like I'm holding you hostage and forcing you. Like this looks like we should be holding a newspaper up behind you. TBD. <laughs> oh great! I have my very reluctant guest here. Oh man. Um, we've been friends for how long now? A few mm, years. At least three. I yeah. Think. I well, we knew of each other before meeting. I remember we met at um, a Moon Circle in Battery Park. I remember that, and I remember I kind of was like, "Oh, that's that Caitlin girl." Like I should go say hi to her, but you know, the social anxiety kind of got the best of me, so I didn't. And then when we were leaving, you pulled me aside and you were like, "Oh, hey, I just wanted to introduce myself," and I was like, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> yes, no, I distinctly remember because there was actually a lot of us. It was a big group of yeah. people, and we made kind of a mass exodus to the subway. And I was like grabbing people that I wanted to like say hello for real and not just in the circle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we make fun of it, but we also like it. Yeah, no, it's great. I miss those moon circles. When I host moon stuff, it's never because like I don't know how to lead stuff like that. When I host it, it's like okay, let's just like eat and dish. Right. right. It's never you know now close your eyes and do this. Like even if I make the best of plans and intentions, it never actually goes that way. Yeah, yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. Oh well, and a lot's changed since then. So that was 2019. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. It must have been 2019, probably like early fall, maybe late summer, early fall, something yes, like that. Yes, because the weather was nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We were sitting outside, and then I remember my dog got sick, and I was basically in self quarantine for months. And then right when she was starting to get better, you, me, and our friend Mary went to brunch one day. And then like two weeks later, I think we went into lockdown. Yeah, yeah, because me and Mary are both Aquarius. So it was like a birthday brunch. Yeah, it was a belated birthday brunch. You know, you might not believe this. I think every single woman I've made friends with in New York is an Aquarius. Really? Yeah. Huh. It's the strangest thing. But it's it's a good match, I think. With Taurus? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Depends on the other parts of the chart. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I have... Uh, Aquarius is a water sign, right? Air. No, it's an air sign. That's yeah. right. It's so misleading. Like aqua. Yes. Um, Yeah, I have a Gemini moon. I didn't know that. So maybe that's a bit... Like I have that tiny bit of air. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my, my rising is Taurus. Uh I, I listen I might be biased but I think it's the best sign in the zodiac I really like them yeah pleasure comfort nice things have a good time stubborn yeah food <laughs> sex yeah exactly you know, earthly pleasures who doesn't want that I mean come on yeah Okay, so I talk about Caitlin all the time on the podcast um largely because you're a coach largely dating right I mean, yeah, I think um, that was really my focus uh, in the first year or so of my business. And now I think because I am such a fervent believer that your love life should not be the primary thing in your life. Mm. And also that being single is not a problem to be solved. Mm -hmm. That I really wanted to open up kind of my scope of work to address like any type of relationships and then also like I really like helping people with uh their routines and rituals and I'm trying to find a sexier term for time management but like I just feel like it's something we all deal with and if you can start to master it I mean everything changes I love that okay I want to come back to coaching but since you did mention routines What's your morning routine? Oh, <laughs> it's very specific. <laughs> um, I drink a huge jar of lemon water, um, which I started doing several years ago when I got into wellnessy practices. And it has been just such a game changer for my digestion. Like, Really? Yeah. Um, I have dealt with various gut things, as I think a lot of people Mm do, Um, but in a way that like it was so uncomfortable that I actively was like, okay, I need to find ways to help myself. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing. And what I love about that routine is that I can replicate it anywhere. So like, you know, staying Mm -hmm. at a friend's house, being in a hotel, like you can be literally anywhere and get a lemon. Yep. um, Which is amazing. Um, following that I have breakfast and I'm a coffee drinker unapologetically. How do you take your coffee? <laughs> I, uh, at home it's a small French press and I just drink it black. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I, for whatever reason was both listening to podcasts today and I had an interview where I just was inundated with coffees, bad coffees, bad coffees, bad. And I don't even 
even drink coffee, but can we just fight against this a little bit? Like, it's really not that bad. Actually, coffee has plenty of health benefits. And you know what? If you enjoy it, like, it's just, I just hate this idea where we're just trying to demonize everything. Yes. And I think we can all agree that, like, everyone's body responds to things differently. Yep. So it's, I it I just think it's tricky and sometimes dangerous to say this is how everyone should eat. This is the mm-hmm. exercise everyone should do because it just doesn't apply. Um, and so, I mean, I think also we all are a little biased to what we like or don't like. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's one of those debates that's like, could I cut this out of my life? Yes, if I really wanted to, do I want to? No, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, if it brings you joy. And I mean, it's not like we're not talking about like, you know, your morning heroin. Like, it's, it's <laughs> All right. really not let's that go. deep. <laughs> and I mean, let's talk about, you know, uh, I, I was like, I don't want to use the word moderation, but um, I drink one cup a day. Yeah. And I'm not patting myself on the back, but like some people, probably should drink less coffee because it right. makes them anxious and jittery or maybe they're you know doing it because they don't have time to sit down and eat a real meal like those are issues to address mm-hmm. but it's not the coffee itself right okay back to the routine so you have coffee breakfast <laughs> what do you eat for breakfast okay yes has also gotten very routine partly out of um I don't want to think about it too much and partly out of it just really works for me is I have gotten into a smoothie routine mm-hmm. where I have um you know a ninja and then one of those like small size uh tumblers and so whatever I'm in the mood for I just toss in mm-hmm. and um that has been super helpful to kind of ease into the day and um have my elimination schedule and then I'm a happy camper Nice. Nice. <laughs> what kind of, this is so much more detail than anyone cares about. But you know what? I care. Maybe someone else cares. I don't know. What kind of smoothie? Oh, um, favorite uh, is usually like banana based. And then I'd like a nut butter. If I have like baby kale, maybe I'll throw it in there. Um, uh, uh, what's the ingredient I'm thinking of? Um, celium husk. Uh, oh, I've okay. heard is good for, uh, you know. Elimination. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a good soluble fiber. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, sometimes blueberries in the summer, tropical fruits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. So Ozzy and I on weekends will do smoothie bowls for the first meal. And yeah, it's always frozen banana, avocado, a little splash of plant milk, blueberries. That's kind of the staples. And then whatever other frozen fruit we have around. Yeah. I I think it's so amazing to like the fact that you can buy most of those ingredients and put them in the freezer Mm -hmm. or have them on the shelf. It's like, because we're all so busy that if you just do that bulk grocery shopping trip and Mm -hmm. you're like, I got myself, I have these things, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And it's not, you know, this crazy, like 14 different types of powders. Like it's, it's a fucking banana, you yes. know, it's, yes. it's really, you can buy a bunch for like a couple of dollars. Exactly. Like it's pretty affordable. Even frozen fruit is often cheaper than buying it fresh. Yeah. And often healthier. Cause I think it's flash frozen at site or whatever. Totally. So yeah, really yeah. accessible, easy way to do things. Yeah, I kind of have a little joke that like my routine can be replicated even like at a gas station. Like I can get True. A, a lemon, a black coffee, and a banana 
and like a bag of almonds. <laughs> True. <laughs> Which is, I mean, my partner kind of uh, has been complimentary about their like, you know, I really admire that um, you just, uh, it doesn't matter where you are. Recently, I went to my cousin's wedding in New England and I was like, you know, okay. So I was staying with my sister in a hotel room and I was like, you do whatever you want. This is what I'm doing. Nice. Yeah. That's cute. So that's your morning routine, you would say? Um, so while <laughs> we're really getting into it, meanwhile, people are like, this is so boring. I um, people are like, I thought we were going to talk about like dating, coaching. I, don't like, like, oh. I do not care what this woman eats. Are we 15 minutes in we're still on a banana? I, I apologize. We will move on to different subject matter presently. Um, yeah, while I'm eating and drinking my coffee, I do, uh, morning pages, which okay. I think is, I, I, I don't want to assume people know what it is. Um, but I know that it's also popular. So this woman, Julia Cameron wrote this book, the artist's way, um, and one of her tools for, for creativity, but also I think it extends to is so helpful. I mean, I could go on and on about journaling how amazing it is so her thing is three pages uh in the morning of stream of conscious writing Mm -hmm. and I want to point out how that's maybe a little bit different than like sitting down and being like hmm what else do I want to say like this is the the intention the idea is that you just keep the pen moving on the page Mm -hmm. so even if you're like blah, blah, blah. I don't know what to say. This is really stupid. Oh gosh. It's 7am. Like you just keep moving and it's, it's a brain dump. So mm-hmm. you kind of kind of flesh out the cobwebs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Times when I've done uh, morning pages, I actually have written a lot of the time. I just write, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, just got to keep the pen moving. And like, there's no journaling police. If you, you know, if yeah. you stop and like, I'm, <laughs> I don't know what it is with me lately about looking out the window. I'll just like be looking out the window and I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Okay. So that's, that's the whole routine. I'm like, I'm like, God, I mean, then I usually, my, I joke that like my morning routine extends into the afternoon because then my preference is getting work done and then working out and then having lunch. So obviously that's, that's sort of my day routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. Well, while we're here, do you have an evening unwind routine, anything? So it's funny you ask that because I actually have been trying to invite myself to more of a bedtime routine just so I can signal like, okay, this is mm-hmm. when we wind down, but I'm not that good at it. Yeah. <laughs> I had one for years, but I stopped doing it. And the reason I stopped doing it is because I would do it while I would smoke at night. Mm, yeah. And so I recently stopped smoking and um, and I just forgot about it. But now that we're talking about it, I will share what it is because it's really nice. So I started doing this in 2014, 2015, by the way. So I list three things that I'm grateful for. One positive thing that happened in the past 24 hours one thing that I'm looking forward to, and one thing that's nice in the moment. That's so nice. Yeah, it's really sweet. I mean, I started doing this before, you know, I got like full woo-woo even. Yeah. <laughs> I started doing it like my first semester in law school. And yeah, and I've, I've done it with people 
you know, I mean, throughout law school and stuff, like I would have friends come over just for, we called it grateful. So like sometimes friends would just pop by and be like, should we do our gratefuls? That's nice. Yeah. Well, especially I'm sure in that environment was so stressful. Right? Yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Gratefuls. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to adopt that or make it your own. Totally. Highly I, recommend. Uh, I um, have this like serum. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like a scent that um, I'll put on sometimes or like light, like a lavender candle or mm-hmm. I like kind of sensory cues, you know, mm-hmm. of like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And of course the one that I feel like everyone's like, oh, no screens. And I'm like, I just don't know how realistic that is. It's It's just, yeah. I also, I kind of fall asleep by watching TV. I mean, I I don't have a TV in my bedroom, but I do kind of sit on the couch and watch TV until I start to nod out like a little kid and then I just run into bed. Me too. You know what this reminds me of? Um, Do you know Ramit Sethi, the the money guy? Yeah. I don't know what he calls himself. I love his attitude and his energy. And um, he talks about routines. He has said something along the lines of like that he watches netflix in the morning like that's his morning routine is like chilling in bed and watching tv oh cute and he's like listen you don't have to meditate you don't have to do yoga you can if you want to do those things Mm -hmm. but like whatever works for you yeah is like should be your routine yeah exactly yeah i love that sans heroin yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if heroin is what's working for you, you should probably stop. I don't know. I mean, listen, this isn't an NA listen, podcast. You're not a doctor, but... okay? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What do I know? But <laughs> the people that I've known who've done a lot of it, it has not worked out for them. So, oh my God. All jokes aside, if you're doing heroin, seriously, it's a very dangerous drug. Please stop. Yes. Compassion. Yes. Okay. So, back to coaching. When did you start coaching or when did you even start thinking that you might want to do this? Yeah, that's a longer answer. I um, hired my first coach uh, in 2016 and I had been single for a year or so and her specialty was dating and relationships. And I can't remember how I came across her stuff, but she was just so funny and relatable and... I I had been in therapy with the same person for a long time and the work was very helpful for me, but I noticed myself kind of getting on what I felt like was a little hamster wheel of like Mm -hmm. talking about the same stuff in terms of my parents. Um, She helped, my therapist helped me navigate a breakup. And then once I kind of was on the other side of the breakup, I was like, all right, and... Like I wanted like action and accountability. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like when I came across this coach's work, like seeing her content, I felt like I got to know her before I even reached mm-hmm. out to her, mm-hmm. which I really liked, mm-hmm. um, which is almost the opposite of therapy. Like, I, well, I don't want to say opposite, but therapists, you know, sort of stay private, stay yeah. neutral. and <laughs> You don't know about yeah. them, <laughs> which is, of course, serves its purpose. Um, So working with her, it kind of was immediately like, oh, this seems like really cool thing to be doing. Um, And but but my work with her was kind of twofold. I was focusing on career stuff. And at the time, I was still pursuing being an actor. Mm -hmm. 
And then I was like, all right, tell me how to get a boyfriend. And of course the magic answer was like, oh, actually we need to like deep dive with what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. And there, there, it's not fucking like dating tips and tricks and, you know, pickup artist stuff. Right. It's like, <laughs> mm, no, you have to be like more comfortable with yourself. Right. Yeah. So working with her, um, just really opened my eyes. And then I worked with another coach and that's when it was solidified. I was like this, it, it, it's like the quiet knock on the door got really loud mm -hmm. and it became almost obnoxious to keep ignoring it. And so then I was like, okay, well, I want to attend a program so that I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I knew that the right program would organically present itself to me because mm -hmm. one of the blocks I had was hours, you know, researching and just feeling like I was going down internet rabbit holes mm -hmm. and getting really frustrated and being like, well, this feels like smoke and mirrors or like it's a scam or, you know, mm -hmm. and I just hated that feeling. And so I was like, okay, don't worry about it. And, um, then through like a, a guy on a podcast and a guy that had been in the program, you know, those little like things that it came to me and I was like, oh, this is it. Nice. Yeah. So I, I attended this program and I'm still friends with like all of my former classmates because, oh, yeah, which is really amazing because we were from all different walks of life from all over the country, a couple international people. And uh, it's really been cool to see kind of where everyone's grown. Right. And like continue to pursue it or not. Right. Um, uh, yeah, that was the, the origin. Nice. I know you already touched on this, but can you explain the difference between therapy and coaching? I'll do like a quick and dirty uh, definition. So an easy way to think about it is therapy can take someone from trauma to baseline mm -hmm. and coaching can take someone from baseline to flourishing okay. or thriving. Okay. And I use that immediate distinction because let's call a spade a spade. So therapists have to attend a lot of school, get mm -hmm. a lot of education. They have to pass their exams. Mm -hmm. Like any therapist's office you walk into, whether you get along with them or not, you know, is, is another thing, but like they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. Mm -hmm. Coaching is a bit more of the wild west. So I would not recommend someone that's like, you know, not doing well to mm -hmm. pursue that avenue because it's it's just not the the space for it. Okay, and that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of my clients have either been in therapy previously to working with me, or are simultaneously seeing mm -hmm. a therapist and working with me mm -hmm. because it's two different things. Right. So therapy, you're diving into the past more mm -hmm. to make a big generalization. And kind of unpacking <laughs> your trauma and, um, you know, your upbringing, your programming. And uh, for me, I should I should only speak for myself because I think also coaches have like different styles, you know, mm -hmm. of what they work on. Um, I like to be focused on what's happening in the present and where you want to go in the future mm -hmm. and kind of lay out almost like a map or a timeline of like, okay. This, you know, this doesn't have to be scary and overwhelming, just factually, like, mm -hmm. where are we right now? Mm -hmm. And what needs to happen in terms of what, what's this other thing where we want to go? Right. Yeah. 
Okay. And then I, I mean, my favorite thing is being that, that energetic accountability, you know, from a non-judgmental place of like, someone says they're going to do something. I actually don't care if they follow through or not because Mm -hmm. it doesn't affect my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But they kind of know that I'm out there and they know I'm going to check in or they check in with me. And I think that's a very powerful relationship. Definitely. I've done a lot of therapy and coaching. First therapy for many years. And then I started working with a coach while still doing therapy. And then I stopped doing therapy after, I mean, I don't know, like seven years. It was a long time. And then... I just have done various coaches for various things, basically. I do prefer coaching. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't be able to get as much from coaching if I hadn't done so many years of therapy. But therapy often is just, it's exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you talk so much (laughs) every week or even if it's every other week, you're just talking, talking, talking. They're not saying much. You know what I mean? Like it's like, can can you weigh in here? (laughs) Right. Right. But I love, I personally love getting assignments with coaches. Same. I think that's helpful. I most recently worked with a sex coach because um, I have like weird sex stuff and she would I mean, give me like really fun assignments. That was pretty fun. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a personality thing. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we like, you know, structure yeah. and accountability. And when you're out in the world and not in school, like no one's telling you like, oh, you have to do this thing. Mm-hmm. So outside of work, it's like, well, what am I supposed to do here? And so having that space to sit down you know, either virtually in person and be like, okay. And being asked these questions that we don't always ask each other, you Mm -hmm. know, because you could have like very supportive friends, but that's actually not their job. Right. It's not their job. And also I think most of our friends might actually navigate you in the wrong direction. Well, they're biased. Yeah. Because let's say for an example, like, you wanted to move across the country Mm -hmm. and you discuss this with your best friend. Well, your best friend might be a little upset that they're not going to be able to hang out with you on a regular basis anymore. Yeah. So they can't really give you like a crystal clear perspective on it. Yeah. 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 And it's not even that they don't intend to, they're just subconsciously steering you in the wrong way maybe. Or I think our friends don't hold us accountable enough. Yes. And I think also a lot of people get scared and uncomfortable when people close to them are growing, especially at a rapid pace, Mm -hmm. because as we know, we're all mirrors for each other. And so they see that in you and they go, oh, fuck, I'm still in this place Mm -hmm. and you're moving away from me. And that scares me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I will say on the other side, I personally can be very non-confrontational with my friends. It's very strange because I'm so confrontational with my parents and my partners. Like it's, I'm just super down for any sort of confrontation. But with my friends, it's like, I will do anything to avoid conflict. And so there've been so many times where I see friends doing things that I, I just know are 
terrible for them, but I will not say anything. And I mean, in large part, it's not my part. It's not my place to say anything beyond. It's not my job. I also, I don't think it would land well, but I'm so afraid of causing conflict that I just won't say anything. Even if I watch a friend like be destroying their lives, you know? Yeah. Where do you think that, um, that fear comes from? Ooh, I like this, like real-time coaching. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it's layered. I mean, I definitely think there's childhood stuff of wanting to fit in. Um, we, <laughs> I was telling Ozzy, my boyfriend, this the other day. When I was in elementary school, we did this thing where it was a very small school, like very few people in our grade. All the girls, like we would put someone in out every once in a while. And we just wouldn't talk to that person for like a week or two. I mean, I have no idea why we did this. I I have no idea like where this idea came from. And I was definitely out. I mean, at least once I know. So, I mean, that's just a childhood thing that comes up. But I also, I think late high school early college had a situation with a friend where you know she started dating someone and blew everyone off and I kind of tried to talk to her about it and it ended so poorly and I remember being like there's nothing I can do in this situation it's best for me to just shut up yeah and just be there and I will say there there were times where it's been good like I have a really close friend who dated this guy on and off for four years who treated her terribly. I mean, terribly. He would just break up with her once in a while, say the meanest things. Like, you know, I'm not going to get into all of it. And I remember every time she would get back together with him, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, I'm so happy. But I, I, you know, I also wouldn't be like, are you fucking kidding me? Which again, (laughs) that's how you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so every time I'd be like, you know what? Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he's changed. Maybe he's grown up. Who knows? Right. And, you know, towards the end, I was the only person that she could talk to about him because uh, like her family, her uh, other friends just weren't having it. So I was the only person. And I remember talking to her cousin about it once. And her cousin was like, this is ridiculous. Like she's dating him again. And I was like, yeah, and I get it, and trust me, I'm with you, but all I can say is I feel like I have to be there for her. Like, I have to be this one person that she can talk to judgment-free because if they start fighting, if he starts doing fucked-up shit, she's not going to open up to any of you guys because all of you will, like, even if you don't say it, will at least be thinking, I told you so. So she needs one person in her life who's just impartial and can just be there. Yeah. Which I was. And then, you know, they did break up, thank God. And um, now she's dating this amazing, wonderful guy, has the best relationship. Uh, You know, really, if you're someone who's listening and is in a really toxic relationship, let me tell you, it took no time Mm. after her and this guy broke up until she met this new guy who's just... uh, sent from heaven yeah i mean i can't say enough good things about him and it's crazy they i don't even know if i believe in soulmates but if soulmates exist they're soulmates Mm. like they were in egypt at the same time miles apart from each other 
like three different times in their lives and had never met. They're both from Ohio, like all these crazy synchronicities. Yeah. So wonderful relationship, really long tangent. So yeah, I think there are times where it has served me to not say things, but overall, I think it's kind of problematic. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I, I, and I think also, I just like, I don't want to get into it. I think I'm comfortable being confrontational with my parents or my partners because I'm like, these relationships need to be deeper and need to, like, you can't just be surface with your partner. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas you can be kind of surface with a friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tricky to navigate. And I guess it depends on the type of people you hang out with, right? Like... Some people you're just, you would be asking for drama Mm -hmm. where I think if you find like-minded people that are willing to go there in a healthy way, maybe you can start to cultivate that, you know? True. Like me. So maybe back of your head, that's a future assignment. True. Yeah. I should try it. And you could try a micro, like, you know, start small. Right. So like someone says something in a tone that you're like, Oh, that kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. Yeah. Say that and like see what the reaction is. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I should. I mean, it's really bad. I was actually talking to Ozzy about this the other day. I had a friend who said something that I was listening and I was like, I'm sorry, is that like insanely racist or am I crazy? And I just didn't say anything because I was like, I I must be out of my mind. Like there's no way... I heard this correctly. And then later I was talking to Ozzy. I was like, I like, I should have said something, right? Like, I'm so afraid of upsetting people that even in that scenario, and she's also, she's like a very sweet girl. She's not the type who would just be, it wasn't like a racial slur. It was just something that she said that I was like, huh, that kind of sounds a little ignorant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Which, and you know, you can always go back. Yeah. I mean, it's awkward, but... Yeah. You know, if it was still sitting with you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's how extreme it is. I just, I, like, I'd I'd rather stop being friends with someone than <laughs> engage in confrontation. Well, that, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind when you just stop talking to me. I'll be like, uh, can we have a chat, please? <laughs> um, you said something that I wanted to touch on, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so the your friend who was in a toxic thing on and off that finally found another person that mm-hmm. is such a good match for them. I feel like that's a good reminder for us all that to not have that scarcity mentality mm-hmm. when it comes to romantic love. Mm-hmm. Because I think, I, I don't know what it is, but we just all are like, oh, like I have to hold on to this. I have to keep trying and cultivating mm-hmm. it. When when you do that, that I really think that is blocking whatever the next thing is from from coming in. Yep. Like one of the biggest things I say to people who like want to break up with their person, but like are like, oh, I don't want to hurt them. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you are hurting them more by staying staying. in this situation because you're preventing them from meeting someone else that is going to love them even more. Yeah. And be a better match for them. Um, Yeah. For sure. And I will say this guy that she was dating for all his faults, he would break up with her because he's like, I don't know if I actually really love you. 
which I mean, it sounds like a super asshole-ish thing to say, but at the same time, it's also kind of respectful. I mean, if that's how he felt, yeah, then <laughs> yeah. And the one thing where I give him a lot of props when they were kind of breaking up and I mean, she was just in a really bad place and she's like, what about this? Well, maybe this. And she was just kind of trying to bargain and be like, be like, I would accept less than what you're currently giving me. And he's like, I know that's not what you want. Yeah. And so I do really respect him for that. I will say that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think about that a lot with Van Guy and I mean, we didn't even date that long, but I would say half the time I was toying with like, breaking up with him and I would feel bad and what I really feel bad about now is dating him as long as I did even though it wasn't that long but it wasn't fair to him yeah you know yeah so just something to keep in mind yeah for sure (laughs) if you've been thinking about wanting to break up with someone yeah it doesn't have to be a bad thing no I'm so bad at it at breaking up with people I'm so bad at it I think we need to figure out collectively how to be better about rejection, mm-hmm. both, you know, in a long-term thing and even like first, second, third, early stage dating. Yeah. Like we're so scared of getting rejected. We don't want to reject people. So we have go- ghosting culture, mm-hmm. which is horrible mm-hmm. and makes everyone miserable when it like doesn't, I don't know. I feel like if if we <laughs> are more comfortable with ourselves, we go out with someone, we like treat it as an opportunity to learn about ourselves, mm-hmm. to share an experience with someone and not try to land on a dime. And then they're like, eh, wasn't feeling it for us to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like I'm going to be fine. So I started being pretty good about just rejecting people instead of ghosting. But then I heard a couple people say that if you've been on one date, they'd rather be ghosted than you having an explicit conversation. Do you have thoughts on that? I mean, I feel like people try to play it cool like too much. Mm -hmm. So I, just my personal opinion, I would rather err on the side of you were thought you were going to hear from me. And just a short and sweet, like, I didn't feel that connection. Like, Mm -hmm. take care. Mm -hmm. Also, it's a small world. That's my thing is like, how, like, when I think of ending something, like, pretend you're going to run into that person. Right. (laughs) How do you want to feel? That's true. Yeah. I, there's a guy I went out with twice, right when I started dating again last summer. And we had a third date scheduled and then I canceled it. And I was like, listen, I really like you. I think you're great. I just, for various reasons, like don't really see this going anywhere. And now we're really good friends. And also I know that he's not even interested in a relationship, which at the time I didn't know, but you know, um, but we're really good friends now. So like very platonic, very like we have each other's keys. Like we're very close. That's nice. Yeah. That's a very queer thing to do. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. Actually it's, I mean, maybe this is a good segue. Yeah. So this was something I discovered years ago where a queer friend of mine was talking about one of her best friends. And I was like, oh, how did you two meet? And she was like, oh, uh, we went on a Tinder date. And I was like, huh? And she was like, yeah, we went on a Tinder date. 
and it clearly like wasn't a romantic connection but we really got along mm-hmm. and we became really good friends and that blew my mind right because in my years of dating in new york as a single woman dating men i and no one ever wanted to be my friend Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so actually i'm really happy to hear that that happened to you because that's nice yeah i i also just have a lot of guy friends so it's you different. do it yeah <laughs> um but should we just move on then so you are queer yes when did you come out i came out officially january uh 2021 i'm like what mm-hmm. year is it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh which was the month of my 34th birthday mm-hmm. so you know that's kind of funny, mm-hmm. funny life experience. And just to give a little a little rundown on that. So I've always known I'm bi since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, A, I didn't have any like real life people that I had an, like I didn't have any gay experiences to be, to solidify it. And also I just, I don't know, I just didn't feel like gay enough to have to come out. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is I grew up in a very liberal Episcopal church in Los Angeles mm-hmm. where we had like literally uh, the church had a float in the like Los Angeles gay pride parade. Oh, <laughs> God. oh that's really lovely. Yeah. And I like would be a little acolyte for like people's gay weddings and stuff, <laughs> you know, like I was like, if there wasn't an, people are like, oh, are your parents religious? I'm like, yeah, but very affirming yeah and even like since being an adult in new york like the the church that i go to is very gay Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's interesting too when people think you know they really separate those things right like oh you can't be spiritual and or religious and and it's it's one of those things that's a story that people tell that's not necessarily true um so for me it was one of those things where and i'm i found through social media that this actually was a pretty common thing of i think because of the pandemic you know people were forced to sit with themselves and kind of evaluate like where am i at like what are my values how do i feel about my life Mm -hmm. um and come out Mm -hmm. like and some people i mean there's a whole trend like on tiktok of late in life lesbians right um and i mean lesbian tiktok in general is is a thing <laughs> I've, I've heard that term before and i still don't know what it means um i mean picture like i would say there's a lot of like thirst traps that are very normal you know okay. like that you would see uh anywhere but it's lesbians so it's catering to queer people okay yeah Okay. <laughs> but how then there's are... also like educational stuff too. Okay. Yeah. How, wait, how are lesbian thirst traps different from? Um, I'm like <laughs> blushing. Well, there was one that I may, may or may not have done um, that the trend was uh, like, like the, the character, the, you know, person is dressed as uh, femme is the slang mm-hmm. uh, feminine. And, they're like, oh, are you into femmes or masks? And the person's like, oh, masks. And they're like, oh, okay. And then the cut is like you then dressed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a more masculine way. 
um so like it's not even like risque you know yeah, it's okay, more okay. just like vibe okay <laughs> yeah okay. Oh, i like it yeah or like yeah i mean and i have to say has my mind like really opened up in terms of like what I thought I was attracted to, you know, and mm-hmm. like wh- how I, you know, thought I was supposed to behave, how people are supposed to be. And I I, I want to say like, whether you identify as queer or not, um, know anyone, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I, I invite you to like, see it as an example of like exploration. Mm. and like a quest for authenticity I love that yeah it's because to me it's such a good example of people going okay hold on a second like I was raised to believe that I was this I was told I was this media everyone tells me this is what you're supposed to be but then a feeling inside me says "Mm, I don't think so Mm -hmm. and I think we all have that in different ways yeah yeah, and and for me like not only being queer, but like when I look at, you know, trans people, to me that's like really the ultimate like you you had to really fight for this. Mhm. Risk your safety, risk your life mm-hmm. to be who you are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um I do want to come back to trans people but real quick for anyone who might not know can you explain the difference between queer and bisexual Oh sure so it's funny I feel like I'm more comfortable with bi just cuz like it's a term I've known my whole life if that makes sense right. and I think it gets a little tricky because some people could say, oh, well, does that mean, you know, you don't like trans people, you just like men or women? And that's not the case. Bi is more than one. So whatever that means to you, I want to say also, like, you know, anything I say or these terms I use, like, it's so nuanced for the individual, Mm -hmm. gender and sexuality. So like, you know, if I say something you don't agree with, no harm, no foul. Like, I think it's a very delicate topic. Mm-hmm. But I want us to, like, all be talking about it much more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I identify, um, is that I realized I was attracted to more than cisgendered straight men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was super exciting, because then I felt like, instead of, like, manifesting my future husband, landing mm-hmm. on a dime it was like the whole world was open to me. Right. Right. I love that. You know, this reminds me of something that I've heard straight cisgendered men say before where they're like, I don't know if I'd want to date a bi girl because I would be afraid that she couldn't actually commit to me. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of a conversation I had with my mom who, bless her heart, is of a different generation from a very different culture. So, you know, I give her a lot of passes yeah. for things because she didn't grow up in this world, you know. And she one time was like, oh, so how would your bisexual friend like commit to 
someone like there's always that other gender and I was like well mom how would anyone else commit to someone like anytime you're choosing to commit to someone you're choosing to commit to that one person I was like okay so you're married to dad so you chose him you're attracted to men there's a whole world of other men out there that you're choosing not to be with because you chose to be with dad it's the same exact thing right there's no difference right it's just like again they're choosing the one person and she was like oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> and I was like, okay, if my mom can get this, there's no excuse for you. Yes. I think there is a cliche of like, if someone maybe leans one, like, you know, one way more than the other, like someone could have an insecurity that like, oh, at the end of the day, let's say, you know, a man marries a woman, the woman's bi. He's like, and she, you know, they're married for 10 years and she's like, oh, I'm actually a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, well, I don't know. You maybe had a nice 10 years with this person. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you can like control what might happen in the future. Right. <laughs> also, it happens all the time that people are married and after 30 years, they're like, oh, whoops, I'm gay. And they were never bisexual. So, right. So that does happen. And I mean, look at the divorce rates of like cis straight couples. Right. I don't know. I mean, like using that as an argument for like being a afraid if someone's not straight I think I think I mean that's that's it right it's fear right 1000 percent, yeah and I will say all the men that I've heard say that are men who are admittedly very jealous and like jealous in relationships and uh you know in I don't want to say insecure because that's such a loaded word but maybe like a little anxiously attached like really afraid of their partner leaving them even with straight people they're worried of their yeah. partner leaving them for other men so yeah yeah well that's a them problem yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a therapy yeah thing. okay so that's yeah. a therapy thing not a coaching yeah. thing i mean full circle. i wouldn't want to <laughs> sit down and listen to a dude complain about that but uh that's just me Okay. Um, okay. So going back to trans people, I remember you shared something on your Instagram about how to deal if you misgender someone. Ooh. Um, so I, maybe this is like a little, uh, I want to say I, I'm a cis woman. Mm-hmm. That's how I identify. So everything I'm talking about is like as a, uh, you know, ally, trans mm-hmm. ally. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I should say my my partner is trans non-binary, mm-hmm. so a lot of what I'm learning is from their perspective. Okay, wait, I actually have a question about that. Yeah. Um, I've heard of non-binary. What's trans non-binary? Okay, so I'm not sure if everyone uses that term, but for a lot of non-binary folks, um, they feel that they have transitioned to being non-binary okay okay yeah okay so transitioning doesn't have to mean oh i used to dress like this now i dress like this i get this surgery like none of that really matters Mm -hmm. because it's more of an internal thing Mm -hmm. and then if you choose to maybe you make external changes okay so yeah it's almost like i think the phrase has been like um you know shortened to uh, non-binary. Yeah. Okay. I understand now. And okay. um and for anyone that's like, what are you talking about? Um, I think again, I I can't speak for everyone. Um, but I think 
instead of thinking of it as like in between this and that, Mm -hmm. it's its own thing. Mm -hmm. It's a third. Right. Energy. Yeah. 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 I like that. Yeah. 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 So I had, uh, so I went on a camping trip with Ozzy and it was with all of, it's a group of his friends who I'd never met before. And there was a trans woman there who he originally met actually help me uh say this correctly he met her when she was presenting masculine like pre-transition is that correct okay is that correct to say i think so okay and so i met her you know as a woman Mm -hmm. so it wasn't and i I don't I, I don't know if there has been physical changes or not. Either way, I met her very clearly as a woman. So to me, it was a, a non-issue. But we were sitting in a circle, like playing a game or something. And um, Ozzy was saying something. And he's like, oh, and then he. Mm. And then, uh, you know, I think he very subtly corrected himself and said she. Mm-hmm. And then and it was very quick. I don't even know who noticed. I definitely noticed. And then later he came up to me personally and he was like, holy shit, like, did you notice that? Like, what should I do? Should I do something? And I was like, I think my understanding is the best thing that you did was not make it a whole thing there. Yes, exactly. Um, I think people in an effort to think they're being nice and apologetic will be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And that it's just not necessary because Mm -hmm. you are putting this (laughs) emotional burden of your mistake on the person Mm -hmm. who already has to encounter that probably Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, you know, let's say you're at work or you're in a social gathering like you were, if you can just go, oh, I mean, and correct yourself and then just move along Mm -hmm. and you don't have to say, I'm sorry. Okay. Because then saying I'm sorry, actually, I would encourage you not to. Saying I'm sorry is inviting them to say, oh, it's It's okay. okay. And it's not okay. Yeah. Because I think there's an attitude and an energy of like, oh, this is so hard. And I think we just need to like really iron that out. Like it's really not that hard. Right. It's like learning someone's name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to work with someone for like a year and be like, hey, Jennifer? And they're like, I've told you 13 <laughs> times it's Jenny. You know, like, yeah. it's like not that hard. Right. Right. Okay. Um, now, what if he had later personally pulled her aside? Do you think that would have been appropriate or no? I think, I think if someone is super close with someone, they have their own relationship and they mm-hmm. can probably navigate that uh, with a little more nuance. I think in that situation, again, it would have been bringing it up. You know, maybe she's having a nice time on vacation mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like, and it's like, oh, she had already forgotten about it. And then right. he needs to like bring it up. So, okay. Yeah. I think, I think he handled it really well. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's, that's good to know. <laughs> I'll tell him. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be happy because he really, he felt pretty shitty about yeah. it. And I was like, I, I think it's fine. You know, I, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's not preferable it's not good it's not great but um you know i think if we are aware of when these things happen and really clock in our brain like okay okay i'm gonna i'm gonna try and do better going forward Mm -hmm. um you know and you can practice like if you have someone in your circle um practice you know talking about them in your head yeah 
Or yeah. when you're talking to them or about them, slow down, mm. you know, and say like, oh, you know, I was uh, going to ask them if, you know? Yeah, I love that. I love that. Speaking of practice, so Ozzy and I have been watching Billions and there's a character on the show who's non-binary and their pronouns are they, them. And I can't say enough good things about this because it's giving us this really great opportunity to practice with really low risks, right? I mean... You and Ozzy talking about the show. Yeah. 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 When we talk about the show, it's an opportunity for us to practice using the correct pronouns. And, you know, if we fuck up, you know, they're not offended. They don't know. They don't give a shit about us. (laughs) So I really commend the show for that casting choice. And I... I think what they do really nicely about it is that it's not a plot line in the show. It's just, it's just another character in the show. Who, I love it. Just like there are men in the show. There are women in the show. There's a non-binary person in the show and the show goes on, you know, it's not really. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't gotten that far. Yeah. I would recommend it. I also think they're super hot, like super hot. Bonus. Great. Yeah. <laughs> also, I went on this random Google search of them recently, and apparently there was a really nice moment where a few years ago or something, Khloe Kardashian tweeted something about watching Billions. And so the the actor's name is, uh, a- the first name is Asia. So Khloe Kardashian tweeted something like, uh, watching Billions, it's so good. Miss Asia, you're killing it. Mm. And they responded and said, you know, thank you so much for watching. So happy you're enjoying the show. By the way, just like Taylor, my character on the show, I also am non-binary and my pronouns are they, them. And, uh, you know, my preferred prefix is MX, mm-hmm. which I also didn't know. And then Khloe Kardashian replied and was like, oh, I'm sorry. Thank you so much for teaching me. So it's something really nice. And then I guess all these other people started tweeting back and there was this really nice constructive conversation. You know, uh, someone asked, how would you pronounce MX? Which the answer is mix. Again, didn't know, learned from reading that article. And yeah, this really nice moment. And I think it's Again, I I think it's really the casting choice of Billions that led to this conversation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know what I'm getting at here. Uh, I mean, Billions. (laughs) Number one, thank you, Billions. Um, I mean, I think what you're getting at is representation. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you and I were trying to think of like Christmas movies with gay couples. And we like were like, well, oh, there was that one last year. Um, and it's really tough and it's, it's funny because even I feel like I have a different perspective, like coming out later in life because, you know, I, I, I wasn't like a gangly teen, you know, being Mm -hmm. like, Oh gosh, there's no one like me. Like I'm a pretty, uh, confident, a young adult in my life. And so to kind of, um, now be, in this community and and really wanting these things um has been interesting so i i think that's amazing and i hope that continues you know yeah exactly what you're saying like it doesn't have to be a show or a movie about it the characters can just exist 
Right. Yeah. And I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to see a lot more movies like rom-coms with a gay couple lead, but it isn't about the fact that they're gay. Not to say that there's anything wrong with that. I just would like us to stop seeing gay people as like the primary thing about them as their sexual orientation like I want to see the movie where you know how to lose a guy in 10 days and it's just two dudes and like there's there's other things going on in their lives other than the fact that they're gay right (laughs) although it does take up a lot of time All right. So I think that was a nice conversation. I think, you know, I think if you're listening and kind of new to the all all these issues, I think maybe there is some takeaway here. Like people maybe learn something. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we move on to something else? I would say that if any of the stuff we've uh, talked about so far, if you've been like, that doesn't apply to me or. Oh, mm-hmm. that makes me uncomfortable or like, uh, I don't know about that stuff. That's totally okay. And I would invite you to um, lean into that discomfort mm. and ask yourself wh- why you think you're feeling those things. Mm-hmm. If it's uh, like, oh, well, those people are different than me. That's not me. That's not where I come from. You know, I wonder like, what about you and your life? Have you been made to feel other? Ooh. And, you know, where have people said that, you know, you were not invited to the party? You know, you're, mm-hmm. you don't belong with us. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, you know, that feeling, it's the same thing. Like, this, this is kind of one of the things that I've come to is like, oh, my God. Like, we say love is love, but it, that has been so capitalized on that it has Mm -hmm. no meaning anymore Mm -hmm. but it's I'm like oh my god like it's the same thing and there's just little you know cultural nuances and of course cliches and sometimes it's fun to lean into those things sometimes not but uh it's you know we are all (laughs) humans like doing our best and trying to find love and and be our authentic selves and and um, yeah, and to to not be scared. Mm-hmm. I love that. That actually reminds me of something I wanted to ask. So I always want to be more inclusive. And part of that is because I have felt other and left out a lot of my life. Like just being Middle Eastern, I don't want to turn this into like boohoo me, but you know, having a weird name, whatever, I have always felt unrepresented not like other people you know and you know there were no fucking like kardashians on tv when i was a kid all i saw were like blonde haired people right and so now that god is it super cringy to say like i have a platform or whatever there's this podcast and i do want to be more inclusive but at the same time you know i speak a lot about my own experiences which are coming from a cisgendered straight woman's perspective how could someone like me be inclusive of the LGBTQIA community without also, you know, I'm not going to like fucking put up a rainbow flag in June. You know what I mean? I don't want to be performative, but I do want to be more inclusive. How would you, what advice would you give? I love that question. Um, I would say first is listening. Mm -hmm. I would say um, if you can 
an easy action step is uh, follow people on social media who have educational content uh, or sharing their own stories that you can kind of start to absorb mm-hmm. that. Um, I think, you know, tiny little things. We talked about pronouns earlier, like putting your pronouns on your Instagram bio. Mm-hmm. Very easy. And, and the thing about that is if everyone does it, then it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, I used to be afraid of that. I used mm-hmm. to think it was performative and I was like, oh, like I'm, I'm so, you know, such an ally, but I don't want to be like, oh, huh, look at me. And then my mind totally shifted. Cause I realized, no, that like, this is the direction we're going in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in your email signature at work, like it doesn't have to be huge, you know, tiny little pronouns. And then what that does is like, if there's someone who doesn't go by their assigned pronouns, then they maybe feel a little more comfortable right? doing that for themselves. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to change my Instagram bio when we're done here. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, having conversations with people, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I know you, I think your, you know, listeners are primarily straight, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure many aren't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Definitely make sure to tune in next week where we cover dating, dating advice, sex, dating apps, conscious intimacy, personal life updates, and manifestation. See you guys next week. Love you. Bye.